Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What is up, everybody? My name is Kyle Matovic. I am the host of the In Liberty and Health podcast, where we talk all things liberty, health and wellness, and beyond. My hope is to encourage and spread the message of liberty and physical and mental well-being. I hope you enjoy all the topics we talk about with our guests. We're on all major streaming platforms, so please sit back, relax, and enjoy. What's up, everybody? I got Eric Jackman and my first returning guest, the great Reed Coverdale, on the show. And we're going to talk um, all sorts of crap and say all sorts of vile things that will probably get us nuked. But uh, I guess we'll kind of see what happens. Uh, how's everybody doing tonight? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm, I'm fantastic. Doing well, Kyle. Thanks for uh, inviting me on and having two of the four horsemen on your show. This is this is historic. Nice. We uh, <laughs> we tried to have one of the other ones on there, but uh, he was having uh, some trouble getting canceled. So, you know, that's unfortunate. I, uh... he, had to, he had to get his bell repaired. <laughs> <laughs> rang, he rang it too much. <laughs> you know, I, I, I've only kind of found out about him recently. Like I heard the name in years before, but I just started listening to him. And it could be my naivete but I don't see why he's so controversial and why he got so slammed off so many networks. I mean, I'm sure there's, they're off so many different social media networks, but uh, I'm sure there's probably stuff that I just haven't seen, but he seems pretty reasonable. And like, he doesn't say too much off the wall shit too often, but you know, that's just, like I said, that could be my naivete. Uh, geez. <laughs> hey, you, I, I you see you guys hold back. <laughs> how do you, how do you even uh, start there? Reed? No, uh, no, I mean, Ryan's a legend, man. Anyone who, who is serious about researching the crimes of the global elite and the people who run our planet and the various competing cartels that control things, uh, would look at the, the research that Ryan Dawson's done, the original re- research he's done and, and the, the dark stuff that he's dug into and the powerful people that he's pissed off. I mean, they, they know who he is. This is a guy who creates crime maps of billionaires and gangsters, uh, you know, inside government, uh, private entities, uh, banking people, media figures, you know, you name it. He just, he, he's able to connect dots that I've never seen someone do like that before. And he lays out a clear picture of how everything's connected. You know, where did this money come from? Who, who sprung up this foundation, this dummy front company? And it's unbelievable. And, and, and the reason he's, he's been nuked so much and has been censored so much and banned so much is because the dude's right over the freaking target. There's no other, I mean, there's no other reason. Yeah. I mean, even, you know, I'm much less high profile than he is, but the amount that I've gotten into it with Zionists and neocons on Twitter, I don't even, I probably have almost as many people blocked as I have, as I am following. I mean, it's, it's a lot. Uh, and there are these Twitter lynch mobs that will just come after you. 
And, you know, another thing that happens a lot is, you know, Zionists will start blending the line between Jewish and Zionist and Israeli, and they take any sort of criticism of a country and they try to conflate it with criticism of a race or ethnicity or religion. So it's kind of and, like Taliban and the Al Qaeda. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so they, they try to conflate everything and then they take offense at everything and then they all come after you. And when you have that happen for 20 plus years, like Ryan has, I mean, <laughs> you're going to go kind of crazy, you know? And uh, it's amazing that he has kept everything together as well as he has and he's remained as cool headed as he has because just the amount i've dealt with it it's been insane i mean they just try to they try to they try to nuke you and it's it's a it's a fight for sure well there's definitely something admirable about uh somebody who's willing to be consistent about something like that especially you know putting out the information that he's putting out and kind of going for the jugular against you know the global elites if you will and to just be unrelenting about it. There's, uh, like I said, definitely something admirable about that. So, you know, whenever you kind of have an approach like that, then obviously you put a target on your back and people are gonna be looking for any reason they can to cancel you. And for a lot of the people who aren't quite as steeped in the knowledge of things like we are, you know, they may think that he's wild and crazy, but they just don't understand, you know, the depth of how sinister our government is. And uh, I, I think both of you guys might've seen the tweet I put out today, but I, I have had, many of experiences with right-wingers like just your average right-winger who will legitimately tell you there were no wars under trump like they will look at you dead in the face and tell you there were no wars under trump like (laughs) this is the level of intelligence that we're dealing with in the general population one of the magus talking points is he didn't start any new wars well that is true it's it's true but I i tell people that trump was a continuation of Mm -hmm. pretty much a belligerent and bellicose foreign policy that he inherited from obama um and he really he didn't he didn't really cease drone bombings he didn't cease the he increased um 452 percent he increased sanctions um he increased sending lethal weapons to proxy wars all over Mm -hmm. the world so he was just a continuation of it i mean there's a great interview of him on fox news he's with a british guy and he's like i mean look i got down here and i thought i could do a lot of things but the military industrial complex is a very real thing it's a very real thing and I think, you know, he, he realized uh, you're, you're up against an impenetrable power that has been in there long before Donald Trump came around and will be in there long before or long after uh, if he gets in there again or, you know, including Biden. So it, it's it's a uh, foreign policy establishment uh, that they call the blob down there in D.C. Mm-hmm. And it's entrenched. And, you know, Dawson has done the research into these entities and these think tanks and like foundations that shape foreign policy in Washington and really try to mold the minds of lawmakers down there. So if you step out of line with that, like Reed and I, like our friend Tulsi Gabbard, you get attacked and you get, you know, called a Russian asset and naive and stupid and all this stuff. So um, yeah, Trump, I mean, I, I, Mike, my brother and I joked that before he got in there in 16, that he could go on to be the great dove of our time. And, uh, and then he drone bombed Soleimani. So that kind of ruined that. Yeah, Trump is uh, the the biggest thing that pisses me off about right wingers with Trump is that um, I don't want them to blame Trump. I just want them to realize that Trump was unable 
to change anything, regardless of what his motives might have been. And I, I doubt his motives in some areas, but even if they were good, like I do think he wanted to end the war in Afghanistan. I, I believe that he did, but he was just so ineffective because he had no idea how anything worked. He didn't amass enough. I mean, I don't even know if he would have been able to make a difference, but he didn't try to amass any knowledge about what was taking place around the world or how the structure worked at all. And, um, you know, now they think since Biden is president, suddenly we've just lost all the control that we somehow had a year ago where there was no control. Like, I mean, you know, everyone thought Trump was locking up all the pedophiles and he was draining the swamp, but things were just no different under him. So it's more of a realization like, hey, it doesn't matter who the president is, you know, these giant donor groups exist and these giant weapons manufacturers exist under every president and you have congress that is blackmailed and coerced and paid off into supporting these giant groups all the time so even if you are president and you try to veto something they can just send it back to congress and get a veto proof majority and send it through anyways so you know the president i mean i think trump could have done more to oppose the system. But what I'm hoping right-wingers can start to realize is that the system is just rotten to the core. And it's not just because Trump is out of office now that we're having all these issues. They existed before Trump, they existed under Trump, and they exist after him, and they will exist if he gets reelected again. Right, I completely agree. Um, I was having a pretty long-winded argument with my mom on Facebook, and she's like a total boomer con, but I love her dearly. And she kept saying, uh, you know, don't give kudos to Biden. I'm like, oh, where are you seeing this? And uh, it's not that I want right wingers to come out and say, we're not going to do anything for Trump ever again. You know, he's awful. I just want them to realize that the government itself is the problem. It's not just Trump. It's not just Biden. This is, you know, a, you know, a bubble. Systemic. Right. It's systemic. It's part of the thing. It's not you know, just one president or the other, but they have like these blinders on where they'll always say, oh, look at all this inflation, all this debt running up under a Democrat. Well, you got two Republicans in the last 21 years to blame for all this debt that we have right now. And especially the lion's share of it came from Trump in the last, um, you know, four years. Now, I'm not saying that Biden's not going to run up inflation because obviously he will. I mean, you know, he's build back better plan and all the other stuff that we have going on right now. Um, the debt's going to continue to grow, but you know, I, I like Reed said. I hope that right wingers start to realize that this is just the government problem as a whole. It's not just one person. But I don't know that I can share the optimism that people are waking up to it. It uh, sometimes seems like it, but a lot of the other times it's like, man, people just have fucking blinders on, completely partisan blinders. That just whenever it's not their guy in there, it's you know, it, it's all shit. But when their guy's in there everything's great you know diamond ponies horses whatever you want right yeah i mean it's uh well with trump it's a cult of personality he's you know he's like rocket man he's like putin he's like duterte in the philippines he has a cult of personality around him and his supporters are fervent and just to view him as a figurehead of this movement that's the antithesis to the establishment in the deep state you know i, I love all the, the MAGA people running around using that term deep state and they don't even know who the author who did the original research on it and essentially coined the term who was peter del scott you say that to him and they, they look at you like you got six heads they go who's that i never heard of him 
He's just he's fighting the deep state. He's he's draining the swamp. It's like, uh, yeah, hiring John Bolton is really draining the swamp. <laughs> hiring uh, Elliot Abrams, hiring uh, Pompeo, the, uh, Nikki yeah, Haley, all those right. all those yeah. Zionist yeah. Israel first yeah. neocons. That's draining the swamp for sure. You know, so yeah, but they can't see it. They're too tribal. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it is ironic that. You know, even though we see Trump kind of turning against Israel right now after he's not president anymore, when you hear, you know, that he's taking on the deep state, I mean, there's not a president who cucked more to the deep state if you consider Saudi Arabia and Israel and, um, you know, the uh, the military industrial complex. There isn't one who's really cucked any less than he has, you know, he did put up a little bit of a struggle with trying to pull out of Syria and pull out of Afghanistan. But whenever it came to what Israel or Saudi Arabia wanted us to do, he would pretty much just do whatever they said. I remember this, remember that tweet that Tulsi fried him for over um, Saudi Arabia, where he was like, we are waiting for, uh, you know, Mohammed bin Salma's orders, and then we're going to attack with whatever. I forget exactly how the tweet was worded, but it was basically, we're just waiting for the uh, Saudi Arabian government to tell us what to do and then we'll just do it. And I think that was when she said, you know, being Saudi Arabia's bitch isn't America first. I mean, it just the idea that he was, you know, America first, his own renegade man, and like actually taking on the deep state. I just, I mean, I don't, I don't yeah, see it's, it. <laughs> it's, a tro- it's a trope and it's a meme and you can, you know, have your blinders up or be ignorant to the realities of it. And then it's a really nice and comfortable trope and meme because it's my team. It's my country where we're putting our, so we're finally putting ourselves ahead of China and all these other places. When in reality, Trump has like, I think it's millions uh, in debt that the Chinese own, like personal debt of his. And you try to bring that up to a MAGA person and they're like, this is fake news. So there, there's people you're not going to reach. But if you if you just are consistent like we are with, with your beliefs and how you feel about the structures of government and the bureaucracy and all of the, the pillars of, of control that have existed that, that go that are there through every presidency, that's when you're a big picture person. And that's when you can identify what the actual things are that ills us and, and remedies to how to deal with them. Like, for example, end the fucking Federal Reserve, you know, um, get rid of the IRS. This is obviously libertarians, this is a big part of their messaging. And um, it's just sometimes hard to get that through people who just view politics as a bit as sport as like team baseball and as like NASCAR right. and a lot of a lot of Trump's people were first time voters and they were just like NASCAR sports people reality TV people and that's how they view it and, and they're the loudest and there's a lot of them. Well yeah so part of my reason for starting this specific podcast was um, to help kind of bring more culture to libertarianism because if you look at Trump rallies or you look at Ron Paul rallies the thing that they had in common was that people were having a good time when they were there and there was like a shared sense of community and culture where I always joke that there's so many guys out there who their entire personality is based around the fact that they're a Trump supporter I mean they drive a F-150 wear sunglasses in their profile picture and you know got an all black Dodge Ram or F-150 you know whatever but um that there's something powerful about that because someone that was able to kind of rile up the base and get everybody involved and then to see everybody together in unity having a good time and everybody agree on one person and one kind of culture that's something good but it's kind of like a hammer in search of a nail where you know when you're a hammer anything looks like a nail so you know china 
looked like a nail. I ran at one point looked like a nail. Um, and I've said it time and time again, though, if Trump would have said, let's go to war with China, these guys would have stood on the side of the highway waiting for the bus to go fight a war with China. But it's it's funny because we print up money that it doesn't take us any effort to print up the money and we buy stuff off China. Well, we send up debt and they send us stuff. So and we're supposed to believe that we got the raw deal here. But, you know, they're working. We're just printing. So it's it's kind of funny um anything else you guys kind of want to head on about trump before we kind of start diving down the rabbit hole and getting nuked <laughs> um you know if anything i just i do hope he runs again because that primary of 2016 was one of the most exhilarating entertaining and greatest shows on earth yes and it was i would give anything to <laughs> see it happen excuse me excuse me He's like, you're a liar and you're a loser. Okay, you're a nasty woman. Little Marco and Lion Ted, I call them the Latin Kings. Okay, I had them on each side of me, and they were terrible people. And you had low energy Jeb. Okay, he was a total disaster. I mean, just for anything, the way he belittled Jeb Bush and shit all over the Bush family and their legacy, that was everything. That that was that gave me oxygen during the 2016 primary. And uh, then, of course, when he faced off against Hillary, my brother and I refer to that as duel. So if it happens again in 24, it'll be called duel two. You know, pay per view match. Yeah, because you'd be in jail. So, yeah, if anything, I just want him back for the memes, for the chaos, and for the fun, because he really is a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. Uh, yeah, just I'd say the best thing about Trump was actually his failure because it. I think a lot of people realized, you know, what was against him. You know, they they, they realized like that the CIA really had it out for him at one point and that really kind of red pilled a lot of republicans on the intelligence agency mm -hmm. and then also like a, just about a year ago now when he was threatening to veto that disgusting spending bill and everyone was cheering him on they really thought he might actually do it and then he just turned around and signed the bill and then you know when they were hoping he would pardon assange or ross ulbricht or Edward Snowden, he ends up pardoning the Blackwater guards, you know, so I think all those moments just really woke a lot of people up to the fact that the government is not on your side. And ultimately, none of them work for you. So I think that that was actually the most positive thing, because it was like, wow, this guy is an outsider, and he's going to shake things up. And then people saw him get in there and what the machine does to you. And I think a lot of people are like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> now I see how it really works. Right, right. All right, so I got three things pulled up in Wikipedia. I'll read from them, and I guess we can kind of riff on this. Um, Pizzagate conspiracy theory. Um, it's a, They're saying it's a debunked conspiracy theory that went viral during the 16 United States uh, presidential race. It's been extensively discredited by a wide range of organizations, including the Washington, D.C. police in March 2016. Personal email accounts of John Podesta, Hillary Clinton's campaign chair, was hacked in a spear phishing attack. WikiLeaks published his emails in November 2016. Proponents of Pizzagate conspiracy theory falsely claimed the emails contained code of messages that connected several high ranking Democratic Party officials in U.S. restaurants with alleged human trafficking and child sex rings. Um, one of the establishments allegedly involved was the Comet Ping Pong Pizzeria in Washington, D.C. Um, after that, just kind of rambles on about the alt-right. So I remember hearing about this, and I, to be completely honest with you, I just did not dig into it at all. But I remember um, 
if I remember correctly, Jeffrey Epstein and that whole deal was loosely associated with this and people talked a lot about it, obviously, because it had to do with Hillary Clinton. So what what the hell's the deal with Pizzagate? Because like I said, I just, I don't really know. Yeah, well, you know, the thing is institutions of power and cliques of powerful people um, and organized crime, child trafficking and pedophilia is par for the course. Um, of course, we all know the Catholic Church um, has historic um, record of, of the absolute most horrific crimes against children and abuse um, and even murder and cover up. And then they just, you know, they take the priests and they move them to a different diocese or move, move them to a different state or country. So it can't be a stretch for people to think that uh, powerful, well-connected, wealthy, um, untouchable people in politics, in American politics, uh, would be doing things like this, would be trafficking children and abusing children and all that. And, you know, what happened with the Pizzagate thing is that the QAnon phenomenon kind of pop, like uh, broke through from that. But before that, what it, what it was, was, was the WikiLeaks emails that were released of John Podesta, who was a very high powerful insider in the Democratic establishment and machine. He worked in Clinton's uh, White House. He worked for Hillary and he ran Hillary's 2016 campaign. And his brother, Tony, was also a high powered lobbyist in DC. They were two, you know, two of the most well-connected uh, entrenched high powered lobbyists. And in these, in the batch of emails that came up before the election, there are some weird wordings about things, um, you know, referencing food and pizza and strange things that just don't seem to go together unless you know what's behind them. So the one email that kind of really blew the whole thing up was someone, um, I think her name was, uh, I think she was one of the member of the Sandler families, who's a, a rich, wealthy billionaire family, was emailing with John Podesta, who had been on Martha's Vineyard for a weekend for something, because they all vacation there, the Obamas have a house there, and all the rich and the elite, it's their, one of their playgrounds. And it said, um, you left a handkerchief, a handkerchief uh, that's pizza related. Is it yours? And he said, um, yeah, it, it, do you want it? So it's, it's, it's a map that seems to be pizza related. So when, when you hear that, you're like, well, what, what the hell is that? What is, <laughs> what does that mean? I don't, I don't understand uh, what they're referring to here. And to some people in corners of the internet, uh, you know, CP is code for cheese pizza and child porn. So pizza could be referring to young children or something of that sorts and a handkerchief and a map. Uh, some people suspect that map stands for minor attractive person. So it could be a mix of those things. Um, and then, you know, when you, when you dig even more into the Podesta thing, so that's weird itself. And then you see this figure, Marina Abramovich, who's has emails in there with Podesta and she is like this, uh, satanic uh, artist who does art, art, she calls it artwork and has this thing called spirit cooking. And if you look at any of her videos of what spirit cooking is, it's like doing a mock ceremony with blood all over the wall and like an effigy of a little child. And it's this whole kind of ceremony and ritual that, that a lot of these people do. In one of the emails, it said from Maria Abramovich, it said to Podesta, um, are you guys going to still be coming over for dinner for spirit cooking? So that's in there. Uh, that's a, they're all real emails. It's never, never been disproven or it's never been like, no, these are faked emails. So when you look at these things and then you start to look at uh, Tony and John Podesta's art collection, the stuff that they hang in their house, 
So Tony Podesta has a huge art collection in his house down there in Virginia. And some of the paintings on the wall in his house are of children uh, tied up like this and bound and like in a pool. And, you know, they're, they're, they're very suggestive that these are children that are, have been abused or are about to be abused. So I don't know about you, man, but I'm not going to be associating or friends with anyone who has that kind of shit on their walls. Absolutely. And anything with children. Um, so th there's, there's another strike and another weird thing. And then uh, through the emails, you learn about a man named James Elephantis. And James Elephantis is the proprietor of that restaurant you mentioned, Comet Ping Pong, the pizza shop. He is... Uh, Washington Post, you know, at one point named him one of the 50 most influential and powerful people in DC. And he was good buddies with the Podesta brothers. Um, he was former boyfriends with a guy named David Brock, who was a media hatchet man for the Democrats um, and connected with the Clintons and in with the Democratic machine and establishment. And Elephantis's Instagram was public for a while while all these emails blew up and his name was mentioned. And, you know, he's in the Podesta emails. So sleuths and people just started going through Elephantis's Instagram account and looking at the pictures that he had on there and he had a lot of weird pictures like there's there's a lot of smoke there he had pictures of young children uh like taped to a a, a ping pong table with really like sick jokes jokes that I would never make I mean you know I'm I'm demented I do comedy and stuff but I I don't I don't joke about children like that like I would never do something like that that's crossing a line and there's more and more of these things on Instagram that are very suggestive with children. And, and one of them is uh, there's, a, there's a guy holding a baby and ha has a yellow necklace around the baby. And the hashtag is chicken lovers. And chicken is another word um, in the pedophile community for like a young child. So there's just more and more of these things in Elephantis's Instagram and then the sluice looked at the people who were following Elephantis and who he followed and they looked into their Instagrams and it just eventually you just go down this rabbit hole where you're like Jesus Christ are these people involved in trafficking children because there's there's a lot of smoke here there's a lot of things that are that are like oh it's just jokey we're edgy but you're like uh I don't know man these are people who orbit a lot of really powerful rich and wealthy and well-connected people so a lot of people think that Elephantis was a front guy for a trafficking ring um, and he certainly has properties in the DC area, um, you know, that could have been involved in some kind of operation like this. Um, you know, for example, one of the places he had was called the Transformer Art Gallery. And um, he also had a property that was set in a neighborhood that was kind of between buildings, which was kind of hard to get to. And he had pictures on his Instagram of like excavations of the building and, and stuff going on with underground tunnels and stuff. So that's when you start getting into the QAnon bullshit with the tunnels and all of this. But um, I know that's kind of rambling a lot, but but those are some of the main pieces of it. Um, and then I'll make one more point and then, you know, I can turn it over to you, Reed. I don't want to ramble too much. But um, one thing that really caught my attention and that kind of really fucked with me um, was the FBI released or declassified a memo that showed how pedophiles signal each other, what symbols they use, what codes they use. Uh, you know, what they put on pictures or flyers or what kind of jewelry they'll wear to signal to other pedophiles and that they're into that sort of thing. And one of them um, is called the boy lover swirl. And it's like a it's like a triangle that has a swirl in the middle of it going through it. And uh, this is a real official FBI document. And one of the bands that played at Comet Ping Pong, because they would have live shows and bands, 
was a band called Sex Stains. And Sleuths and other people who went through Elephantis' Instagram started looking at all the acts, the bands that performed at Comet Ping Pong and looked at one of their music videos. And in one of their music videos, clear as day on the side of this box is that swirl and that pedophile symbol, which is, which is a complete match. It's a total match. There's no way that that's a coincidence. And then that was weird. That kind of, kind of creeped me out. And then th that's more smoke. And then uh, another, another uh, establishment called Besta Pizza, which I believe was on the same block, their logo also had a piece of pizza that had that pedophile swirl in the middle of it. And then as soon as all this Pizzagate shit broke, they totally scrubbed it and changed their logo on there. So you can add, add all of that up, man. And, and, you know, there's, there's no like smoking gun here, but there is there, to me, there's a lot of smoke for sure. So I don't know if you guys knew any of that shit or had heard about any of that before. No, I really I don't, don't know Pizzagate that well at all. <laughs> By yeah, God. You're, so, you're, so you're better off. Yeah. It, it, and it's funny that Wikipedia just straight up says, well, it's been debunked. But like you said, where there's smoke, there's got to be something going on. And it seems like there's a lot of dots. But, you know, from what I hear here, it doesn't seem like any of them quite necessarily coherently come together. But there's definitely a lot of kind of smoke. But you know, there's probably just something that's just not out that once again connects all this stuff together. Well, you know, there's clearly a reason these emails came out. You know, right. whoever it was behind leaking them or getting them, whether it was a phishing scam um, or, you know, Russia. Certainly, I mean, Russia could have been involved in some way. Um, but either way, there is precedence for elite pedophilia in, in politics in our country. And one thing I turn people's attention towards is, is the Franklin cover-up, the Franklin scandal of the 80s and 90s, which revolved around a credit union in uh, Omaha, Nebraska called uh, Franklin uh, Savings and Loans. And a guy named Lawrence King uh, was in charge of the place. And he was an up-and-comer in Republican uh, circles. He sang the national anthem at the 84 and 88 Republican conventions. You know, he was, he was a, he's a black dude. So he was like a rock star. He was connected to Reagan's children. Um, you know, he had, he had connections all over and it's, uh, it's out there that he was using the credit union as basically his own piggy bank and front to run a child trafficking ring that went around and serviced VIPs all over the country, like out in Hollywood and DC and Nebraska, all through the Midwest where they were kidnapping children and they were also sourcing them from a place called Boys Town, which was in Nebraska, which was, uh, I think, essentially like an orphanage or a school or something like that connected to, to, I think, the Catholic Church. And there were these children who came forward and told these tales of just unspeakable acts that they witnessed, that they were forced to be a part of. They were all forced to become addicted to drugs. Uh, they'd have to do stuff to each other. They'd have to do stuff to adults. And then they talked about it being filmed and pictures being taken. And the Franklin scandal, you know, involves people in media in Nebraska, politicians, bankers, uh, business people. You know, there, there's a great book on it uh, by um, uh, John, a guy named John DeCamp, who, who did a serious investigation into it. I have it here on my shelf. I've been reading it. And, um, you know, I don't think any of it's bullshit. I think, I think that there's, there's, uh, I think it's real and, and I, well, I know it's real. It is real. And this did happen. And, um, 
so when you have that as foundational knowledge and you understand how the Franklin cover-up worked and the Franklin scandal and the players involved in that, you can look at a thing like Pizzagate and it's just not a stretch to you and you're not even really surprised by it. Right. So there's, there's a lot of similarities. Yeah, yeah, like I said, oh, sorry, go ahead, Rude. <clears throat> no, the other the only thing, other thing I, which you kind of touched on is uh, Pizzagate was kind of the springboard for QAnon and everything started getting really sensationalized and you started adding all this bullshit and ridiculous extras on top and it kind of discredited the entire thing and pushed people away from looking into it which seems to happen with all this type of stuff i mean i don't know if it's directly influenced by intelligence agencies or if they just kind of naturally i mean that kind of naturally happens with everything anyway and then obviously it's a huge asset to the intelligence agencies but um kookifying anything is usually the biggest danger because i feel like you know wikipedia saying it's false or cnn saying it's false a lot of people will be like eh, i don't know like that still sounds like it could be real but then you add in you know like you really hype up the sat the satanism and you know lizard people and drinking blood and all this crazy stuff and then people stop listening to it so yeah that seems to be a frequent thing for the kind of q on corner of the internet is that um they may find that kernel of truth but then they'll just stretch it to the most ridiculous degree and then whatever truth was there is now disregarded because people just think, oh, well, these guys are just so batshit nuts that, you know, everything they say must be crazy. So they essentially right. throw the baby out with the bathwater. Yeah, the, the, the Q stuff muddies the waters. And a lot of the Q people never even heard of the Franklin cover up. They don't even know about it. It's mm -hmm. like, no, this is a real legit elite pedophile ring. And I also turned people's attention to the Dutro affair out of Belgium. Um, another uh, elite pedophile ring that was running out there that involved uh, murder and torture and abuse of children with the highest ranking people in uh, Belgian politics. It, again, it's business people, it's media, it's politics, it's entertainment, music business. All these people are involved in it. Um, so I, I think people should research. Th those are two really good places to start if you want to kind of get an idea on how that works. And then, you know, Kyle, you mentioned Epstein. Um, I don't know how much connective tissue there is between Pizzagate and Epstein, but certainly we know that Epstein's deal was an elite pedophile ring and it was a blackmail operation, uh, mainly for the benefit of Israel and probably other intelligence agencies. All right. Well, I got his thing put up on Wikipedia. I'm glad that you mentioned that. So um, I'll just try and read like this first paragraph here and then we can kind of rock and roll. Um, Jeffrey Epstein, born January 20th, 1953 to August 10th, 2019, was an American financier and convicted sex offender. Epstein, who was born and raised in Brooklyn, New York City, began his professional life by teaching at Dalton School in Manhattan, um, despite lacking a college degree. That's kind of funny they actually admit that in the uh on wikipedia after his dismissal from the school he entered the banking and finance sector working at bear stearns in various roles he eventually started his own firm epstein developed elite social secure uh, social circle and procured many women and children he and some of his associates associates then sexually abused them all right so that was just the first paragraph on jeffrey epstein um i don't believe he killed himself <laughs> i think that pretty much goes without saying for most people but um uh reed do you kind of want to take over uh this one and then um you two can kind of have a back and forth on this just about epstein or yeah whatever you got 
<clears throat> yeah, so I think what a lot of people leave out with Epstein really has a lot to do with Maxwell. They try to, and I think that right now during the trial, they're trying to make it seem like Maxwell was just an assistant of his that she didn't really have any deep connections, but her father was a Mossad agent. Um, one of like the, a really like well-known um, person who had uh, connections to the Israeli government. They threw him a huge funeral when he died. There were a lot of Mossad agents at his funeral. And it's funny because every article you find will still say he was just an alleged spy but there's so many links proving that he was so i don't even know why we still say alleged i mean would you agree with that eric that it's pretty given that he was a spy? Oh, 100 he was a super spy for israel um you know he was a media mogul kind of like an og um rupert murdoch figure who just had peddled in gossip and innuendo and intelligence um and certainly in that world blackmail is the name of the game um, but yeah, uh, Robert Maxwell was loyal to Israel. He's originally from Czech Republic. And, um, you know, he really he got into publishing and printing. And his big uh, publication was the uh, Daily Mail uh, over there. And that, that had a whole uh, pension fraud scandal where he raided the pension of that um, to pay, uh, <laughs> I think it was to pay Gorbachev or he owed money to something. And he worked with the Russians. He worked with the British. He certainly worked with the Americans and obviously the Israelis. And, you know, you could call someone like that an, an intelligent soldier, soldier, soldier of fortune, like who's going to pay me the most here for this information. And, and one famous case that I would point people towards involves a former nuclear uh, scientist, a guy named Mordecai Vanunu, who blew the whistle um, on Israel's nuclear program at Demona. He had pictures of it. He had plans. He had everything. And he brought it. He brought it to Maxwell and brought it to the press. And Maxwell was like, oh, I got a golden goose here. I got a great I, I, I got a great uh, chip here. And he called his buddies in Israeli intelligence and said, hey, man, you guys might want to take a look at this Mordecai Vanunu guy. He's over here telling anyone who will listen about Demona and about your nuclear program. And essentially that set into motion Vanunu being kid kidnapped and rendered uh, back to Israel and imprisoned for I don't know, 20 or 30 years. I mean, amazingly, the guy's still alive and I think he's out of prison now. But um, that's just one instance where the Mossad was able to, to get Vanunu and Maxwell played a, a role in that. So that's just one thing that we know about. But uh, Ghislaine Maxwell really and Jeffrey Epstein were a match made in heaven to run something like this. And they didn't start the pedophile blackmail operation ring. It was the, the keys were handed over to them. This was something that ex had existed long before Epstein and Maxwell. And, uh, you know, at first they tried to be arms dealers and they failed at that. They were terrible at that. And then um, what I chalk it up to is Epstein was the money man. He was able to get money uh, through financiers and be the face of the operation. And Ghislaine Maxwell possessed the Rolodex and the connections to high society, like with the royal family, um, you know, through her father, people in business, people in intelligence, people in uh, media and Hollywood and all that. So, you know, they put that together and, and that's really what fueled this whole operation. Yeah, so the, the thing is that it's really like Maxwell who's running the show and Epstein is more of just the face on it who's really good at... He, he was really good at luring the politicians and businessmen and all these, like he was extremely charismatic and he was very friendly. 
where they're almost trying to portray as though it was the other way that Ghislaine Maxwell was the one who was the friendly kind of more innocent bystander or something where she was more of the mastermind behind it. Would you say that's pretty accurate or? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're both equally guilty and they both right. use their skills and talents and charms to the end. They were seeking the same goals, the same ends. And, um, you know, this whole thing that Epstein was a billionaire and all that's complete horseshit because that was not his money. His money came from a group called the Mega Group, which is a mega class of donors um, who were Israel first, hard, hardcore Zionists. Uh, from America and Canada and around the world. And the big name, the big benefactor was a guy named Les Wexner. And Les Wexner is a man, for, he's the richest man in Ohio. And he's probably in his mid to late 80s now. And uh, there's there's uh, evidence to suggest that him and Epstein were boyfriends. They had a, they had a whole thing going because you listen to uh, one of the dispositions, or, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm tired. Uh, the, uh, the court, when Epstein was, was had to, you know, Deposition, that's the word. Uh, he was asked about the shape of his penis. We hear you have an egg-shaped penis, Mr. Epstein. Is that true? You know, and um, yeah, Wexner founded the Gap Limited, which founded Victoria's Secret and um, L Brand and all those. It's a multi-billion dollar company. And Epstein's money came from Les Wexner. You know, Wexner, we were, we're, we're supposed to believe that Wexner was this poor old man who was led astray and hoodwinked and conned by Epstein, which is just total bullshit. And the goals of the mega group, which is Les Wexner is, you know, a big part of it. And then a family called the Bronfmans from Canada who founded Seagram's Liquor up there. This is another billionaire family um, who their main goals are supporting Israel no matter what. So whether it's to get arms to Israel, uh, money, political support, uh, support in the media, um, you know, nuclear secrets, all of that. You think that stuff just appears in Israel or people just give it to them willingly? No, you have to have something in place that can 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 steal this stuff or, or get it by any means. And those means are blackmail, money, exploiting children, uh, theft, murder, you know, you name it. So that's kind of the synergy. All these entities together is really what, you know, created the Epstein ring and uh, the island, the mansion in New York City, the properties in Palm Beach, the ranch in New Mexico, the properties in France, the properties in England. There's, there's so many directions you can go in with it. And every, at every turn where you go, when you dig back a couple layers, where do the money come from? Where do the property come from? It's someone connected to the mega group or a hardcore uh, Zionist entity. Yeah, and then the when they were gun running, they were doing that for Saudi Arabia with Adnan Khashoggi, the guy who ran weapons from uh, Israel to Iran during the Iran-Contra affair. And then they were doing, so it was like in between the gun running and then the rings that they were working on the rape yachts, right? That they were learning yeah. that. Yeah, the, Saudi, the Saudis had the rape yachts where they would just get Eastern Euro girls plying with drugs and alcohol and then bring them out in the high seas and just do whatever they want to them. And uh, that's kind of the kind of the MO of these people. They don't value human life. They don't have empathy. They don't really have love. They're, uh, they're just monsters. And, um, you know, unfortunately, I kind of really feel that they're probably going to put, well, they're going to probably put Ghislaine away for the rest of her life and then put a nice bow on it and say, that's it. It's all over. Whereas Epstein and Galena, the tip of the iceberg, man, there's so many more people that, that need to go down, that need to be exposed, that need to be talked about. 
um, that I just am fearful it won't happen. Once this trial ends, it will get memory hold. And like anything else, people will just move on and forget about it. Right. So what about these flight logs and the black book? Because that was one big thing everybody talked about. Um, you heard a lot about the Clintons flying on the plane, Donald Trump, um, a lot of celebrities flying on it as well. Um, how does that kind of relate to the whole case? Is that basically just kind of him transporting around the people that were going from ring to ring or his properties? Well, I mean, just because you're in the black book or on the plane is not proof that you're guilty of anything of harming children. I mean, it's certainly not a good look because everybody knew who Epstein was and everybody knew what he was all about. Even that uh, warmongering corpse, John McCain, his ugly Skeletor wife there, Cindy McCain, she even said, we all knew about him. We all knew what he was doing. We all knew who he was. So that's an admission from someone who's, you know, plugged in and wealthy and part of the establishment. Um, yeah, some of the names you see Kevin Spacey on there, which is like, eh, that, uh, that raises some raises some eyebrows. You got an actor like Chris Tucker. Um, yeah, Bill Clinton, I think 26 times, I think is the number his name officially appeared on the logs uh, with Secret Service agents. But I did um, not have sexual relations with that woman. <laughs> exactly. I did not have sex with that woman, Hillary. Okay. <laughs> I never, I never touched Hillary. Okay. I actually believe him when he says that. Yeah. Oh, uh, Virginia. How do you say her last name? Dufresne? Virginia, Ro Virginia Roberts Dufresne. Yeah. She has a lot of, uh, she, she's claimed that a lot like Prince Andrew, uh, Ehud Barak, right? Wasn't mm -hmm. he one of the ones involved? In okay. Her? Yeah. That, that was the other thing is that, uh, Ehud Barak, he was a former prime minister in Israel. Correct. Yeah, and then, uh, okay. Yeah. And then the, uh, Fucking big wigs over in uh, Britain or wherever the uh, Prince Andrew. Andrew, right? Them. Sorry, yep. it just slipped my mind. Oh yeah, there's pictures of Ehud Barak leaving Epstein's rape mansion in New York. You know what are you doing there, dude? Uh, you know Prince Andrew said I, I had to, I had to end the friendship after I found out what Jeffrey did. I would have been remiss of me not to do it in the gentlemanly way. So I flew over to New York and I stayed at the rape mansion for another week, knowing full well he was an elite pedophile. And I said, Jeffrey, we got to end this thing, but you know, get me three twelve yields first. Yeah, um, it's, it's more like you weren't sorry for what you did; you were just sorry that you got no, caught. No, well, I don't sweat. You know, I served in the Falklands, and I have a condition where I just don't sweat, no matter how many young girls I molest. I don't well, sweat. Didn't uh, Virginia get raped by him three times? Yeah, I think she said multiple times she was made yeah. to sleep with him by Gawain uh, and Jeffrey. There's a fucking picture of him with his arm around him. How much more? evidence and proof do you need you know the, the gaslighting that our media does on this case is 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 levels that like i've never seen before it's just it's so obvious it slaps you in the face and um you know uh there's a maintenance worker who worked on epstein's island who saw bill clinton there um i believe virginia roberts saw him there um so th there's just there's so many threads to the epstein thing but bottom line uh it, it was it was a blackmail operation to compromise the most powerful and connected people in the United States government uh, to bend them to the will of what Israel wants and uh, what would benefit them. Yeah, it's also surprising. I've heard Ryan say they were both really dumb uh, and they they seem to have talked a lot. I've been listening to a bunch of Maria Farmer interviews and the amount of shit that they would just tell her mm -hmm. <laughs> that she can now just tell us is ridiculous, you know, about 
uh, who they're friends with and what their goals are. And she would, uh, Mac, Ghislaine Maxwell would talk about her father all the time and how she was sure that he was killed, um, you know, and how he worked for the Mossad. And I don't know, like, it's just kind of surprising. They didn't really have very tight lips. They would kind of let a lot of stuff out to the people they were working oh, with. That, that's the hubris of the predator class. They we're, we're protected no matter how obvious our crimes are, how blatant they are, outrageous uh we're, we're we're fine we're not going to be arrested we're not going to be charged we're not going to go down because we have the compromise on everybody who could try and bring us down which i don't know man that case in florida when epstein was first arrested when acosta was the prosecutor down there if that's not proof man that that's the way the game works and what what happened and i give up i throw in the towel do you want to uh kind of elaborate on that because we've uh hit a lot of it and there's like you said, a lot to kind of pull a thread on. So what was the exact story? Because I'm sure not a lot of people remember because being that was uh, two years ago and obviously COVID's happened since then. Are you talking about when he was arrested in 2019 and then when he yes. died? Yeah, well, finally, um, the Southern District of New York charged him with a bunch of stuff and um, they arrested him when he returned. I think they got him at the airport in New York and New Jersey. Do you know what the charges were for? Um, the specific charges, I think, were probably, uh, you know, related to trafficking young underage girls. Like they had specific cases. I'd have to go back and look at exact the exact ones that they were there were. But um, mm -hmm. yeah, so Southern District of New York. And that's why he was in jail at that uh, that fucking that hellhole there in New York. Well, my question is, what was kind of the catalyst for this to kind of start popping off um do you recall because i feel like there had to be a reason that this pedophile ring got exposed because i know reed saying that that uh what's her face you know they had loose lips but like you would think if you're running some kind of sham like this like you'd want to keep that under wraps but you know i i don't know i'm not one of those people i'm just a dumb mechanic so um thoughts on kind of if there was a catalyst if there was a reason or anything well i i do know before he was arrested uh it, it's interesting that trump was president when epstein was finally arrested and brought in and leading up to this trump's uh consigliere steve bannon had had met with uh, epstein and had hours and hours of interviews that he did with him and had him on tape um and I think Bannon and, and Trump and his people were very concerned what Epstein might have on Trump. Uh, what kind of compromise, what he, did he have videos? Did he have pictures? Did he have financial stuff? So I don't think it's, it's obviously not a coincidence that Epstein was finally sorted and dealt with when Trump was president. And um, Barr, uh, Bob, Bob Barr, who was attorney general, in my view, you know, during that whole thing was really your cleanup guy. He was brought in to really clean the thing up and sweep it under the rug because once they raided all of Epstein's properties, where where did all that go? Where did all the stuff in the safe go? Where did all the footage go? All the pictures? Who has that now? Where is it? Who's in charge of it? They also waited months to raid the other properties, right? They raided New York yeah. pretty quickly, but then they waited. Yeah, yeah New Mexico and the island, they were able to totally clear, clean the places out before the authorities got yeah, there. Yeah, it sounds like a good front when you guys put it that way, too that uh, there was a long interview, he was arrested, and then they cleaned up one thing real fast, right? So that way, 
everybody's like, look, they're doing something. But then you leave the rest of them and you kind of dilly dally there because you got everybody's eyes on that. No one's going to pay attention to all the other properties. So this is kind of where, from what I'm going to guess, is where all the QAnon shit started popping off. People said, oh, Trump's getting Trump's getting the pedophile ranks and going to rain in the interdimensional child molesters. Um, but, um, you know, so Q people obviously run with this and think, oh, well, you know, this is him getting the pedophiles. But, you know, it's kind of like, all right, well, we're busted. Let's let Epstein be the fall guy. And, um, you know, we'll throw them the bone just this once. We'll clean up this site in New York. But the rest of these, you know, nobody's going to really worry about this. Like you said, it's going to get memory hold. And then, um, you know, whatever happens from there and everybody forgets about it. But then, um, yeah. So um, anything else you guys want to kind of hit on here? Yeah, just that uh, Maria Farmer uh, reported to the FBI back in 1996, and she had plenty of evidence that would have already gotten Epstein and Maxwell locked up for life, but the FBI didn't do anything, and they continued to ignore her. And then they also claimed that she didn't tell them, and um, what do they? They had like 20,000 seized pieces of paraphernalia that they didn't talk about, right, Eric? The FBI already had them seized and they were acting like they hadn't seen them before and they didn't know whose they were, but they had FBI tape on them and everything. Oh, yeah. Maria gave them everything. I mean, yeah. they had pictures, you know, including that involved her sister Annie, who was assaulted, I believe, in New Mexico by Ghislaine and Jeffrey. She was mm -hmm. kept down there and trapped there. Um, and yeah, I have to believe Maria and Annie turned over all kinds of stuff to the FBI. And I'm sure you hear in, in those talks that she did with Whitney Webb, she talks about how there were sympathetic people. There were sympathetic agents, young agents who were young, just in, they were fresh. They wanted to do something about this. And every time they brought it to their superiors or it got to the next level, they were stonewalled and they were stopped and they were obfuscated and they were said, leave this alone. You don't want to go there. You can't go there. And, and that uh, that leads uh, lends credence to what Acosta said in Florida that we can't touch this Epstein guy because he's intelligence. So that's clear as day, man. So they were they were definitely afraid of Epstein being exposed um, or, or something rising to the surface that could blow the whole thing open. And there's a lot of powerful people and entities uh, who were very, very relieved the day Epstein was killed. <laughs> very relieved. <laughs> and the, the Clintons and Trump and Bill Richardson and the Royals and uh, tons of actors and other people whose names we don't even know. They're, they're all they're all part of it. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you know the specifics of how he died, uh, Kyle? Like the, all the so weird the, from what I understand, you guys can kind of fill in the blanks from here. Um, he was in a security prison that was very, very well monitored. And I believe in the history of 30 years, only one person had committed suicide in the last 30 years. And they claimed that um, just at one random moment, the cameras had shut off and were no longer monitoring his cell. And he was on suicide watch already. Um, the camera shut down. There wasn't a guard there. And then they came back and he killed himself and the, uh, well, he committed suicide and he was dead when they found him and then the cameras and everything came back online. So I, I, to me, it just, 
right there when they admitted that it just sounded so freaking ridiculous because once again this was a guy who's on suicide watch high profile person and allegedly these cameras never shut down and in the last 30 years nobody else committed suicide but this one high profile person somehow ends up dead yeah uh, from what correct me if i'm wrong eric but i believe the cameras stopped working the guards fell asleep and he hung himself with paper sheets. Yeah, it was with the guards passing out. They scapegoated those two guards and said, you know, I think the camera malfunction or who knows what excuse they used. But it's just clear as day that he was rubbed out and snuffed out. And that that's done usually by the mob or the gangs that, that they have in prisons. And the intelligence community and the powerful and the elite, they have lines into the prisons. They got people in the prisons, man. This isn't some thing where you is like from out in left field that you think is impossible and doesn't happen. That's the way it's done. I mean, it's not going to be like a fucking James Bond, Jason Bourne, you know, covert guy sneaking in in the fucking laundry bag into the prison to uh, kill Epstein in his sleep and make it look like a suicide. It's going to be someone who's already in prison, probably for life. And they got family on the outside or they're affiliated with a gang on the outside and Someone, someone's bank account could get juiced. Hey, man, you got to go rub this guy out. This is when it's going to happen. We're going to make sure the guards are away. The cameras are going to be off it. They can do that no problem. So it's clear as day that he was snuffed out, man. He, he, Epstein was selfish. He was, a, he was a pussy. He didn't have it in him to kill himself. So. Oh, my God. All right. Um, I, I guess I'll ask um, anything else we want to hit on there um, before we move on to Ghislaine. Gillane, whatever the hell her name is. Gislaine. Gislaine. Gislaine yeah. Mossad Maxwell. Yeah, <laughs> I, would, I would just steer people towards Ryan Dawson's research on the ANCreport.com about Epstein. Um, Whitney Webb has synthesized a lot of Ryan's research and put it together in these great articles. There's a three-part piece in Mint Press News. If you just Google Whitney Webb, Mint Press News, um, Epstein, Mega Group, Mossad, that lays out everything. I'll put that in the uh, show notes. It's all there clear as day. It makes so many connections and it shows you the historical precedents for these kind of operations. All right. Well, I will breeze through this. Okay. This paragraph looks a little bit shorter. Um, Ghislaine Noel Marion Maxwell. My God, that's a fucking mouthful. Um, is a British socialite known for association with financier and convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein. She worked for her father, Robert Maxwell, until his death in 1991. When she moved to the United States, became a close associate of Epstein. Maxwell founded a nonprofit group for the protection of the oceans. Terramar. Ter- the ter- yeah, the Terramar project in 2012. The organization announced cessation of operations in or on the 12th of July, 2019, a week after the sex trafficking charges brought by New York federal prosecutors against Epstein became public. Wow, Jesus Christ. I I never read that, and I've heard things on and off. But if that doesn't like raise, you know, make you bat an eyebrow when she opens up this nonprofit and then it ends as soon as this comes about, like, yeah, well, the Terramar project. Um, I won't go too deep into that, but I what I will do is direct people towards a channel on BitChute called Melfi Buddha M O U T T H Y, and then the word Buddha. And this guy, I've learned a lot about Ghislaine and her Terramar project. 
through his videos. So if you go go on Melfi Buddha on BitChute and look for Terramar and Ghislaine Maxwell, he digs into her connections to the art and embassy projects through the State Department and through Hillary and all of those people um, that have diplomatic immunity and cover to ship art and stuff all over the world. So if you're shipping art and you're transporting art and all that kind of stuff and big items, what else could you transport? What else could you ship? What else could you move around and have credentials and diplomatic immunity of, of uh, the US government? So there's a lot of weird and interesting connections that Melfi Buddha puts together in his videos that are very solid, very suspect, and again, a lot of smoke. Um, but yeah, Ghislaine, Ghislaine was just a, a snot and a brat and a child of privilege never really had a real job and, um, you know, carried on daddy's business of, of blackmail and extortion and uh, collecting dirt and data and information on people for the benefit of Israel. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like, like I said earlier, she was, I'd say like a bigger piece in this than Epstein like I feel like it's always kind of drawn as the Epstein thing and she was his sidekick where she was very much uh involved in the intricate dealings and getting people blackmailed and you know the connections to the royal family like we said earlier so just she's she's not just his accomplice or something like she was very uh central to the operation she's not an innocent floozy who happened to be there Right. You know, yeah. If you listen to Maria Farmer's conversations with Whitney Webb, dude, Ghislaine Maxwell is a fucking monster. She's a monster. She belongs in a cage for the rest of her life. Yeah. Well, um, I, I think that's probably going to be what's going to happen if anything does happen, because they're going to try and use her to be, you know, the next fall person, because, you know, you're trying to throw the dog off the scent. So, um, Anything else? You, that was uh, pretty quick. I thought there might be a little bit more meat there, but uh, I, I mean, of course, we covered the, a little bit of it with well, the Epstein well, stuff. I'll, I'll tell you uh, a personal level. I went to her house. So I live here in New Hampshire. And the day the FBI arrested her, my phone blew up in the morning and people were like, oh, my God, Eric, because I know I've been following the case. Uh, you've been talking about Epstein for years, you know, years before people knew about it. My brother and I were talking about it and people thought we were nuts. And lo and behold, Ghislaine Maxwell ends up being arrested, held out in this million dollar estate on a hill out in the woods in Bradford, New Hampshire, which is about 45 minutes from where I live here in southwest New Hampshire. So um, Jason Burmis was coming through town anyways to come hang out with my brother and I. And this story broke when he happened to be visiting. So we're like, of course, we're going to go out there, get some videos and film and look around. So that almost out. might prove there is a God, Eric, that, you know, Jason Burmis was coming to visit you guys the day this happens. It's like, yeah, well, it could be that or our Mossad handler said, look, this is when they're going to get her. <laughs> so you guys, yeah. you, you guys need to go out there and do your do your thing. Because Bur Burmis is during the loose change stuff. Burmis was, you know, accused of being Mossad. Yeah, if you haven't been accused of being intelligence or Mossad, you're not really doing a good job, you know. <laughs> No, but it was amazing. Yeah, it's amazing it happened to line up when he was out here. So we drove out there in his car and we filmed some videos and we were chatting about it. We met some of the neighbors. They had they really never saw anyone coming or going. They had no idea who lived there. And it was this long dirt driveway with a big stone at the bottom of it and carved into it said tucked away. You know, that was the name of it. How how cheeky of her, you know, tucked away. So I took a I took a picture next to that, you know, like eh, <laughs> they got the bitch. But it was uh, it was kind of creepy, man. It was creepy to think that uh, 
you know, someone like her was, was just kind of essentially down the road and, and hiding out in the woods in New Hampshire. And, um, yeah, the whole, the whole thing is just really warped and really twisted. And, um, I just hope people pay more attention to it and become more aware of these things and realize that there is a, a group of really sick and disgusting people who run the world and they don't care about you or your family and they hate you. And, uh, we should, you know, be very concerned about them and be aware of them and open our eyes to the fuckery that, uh, they've gotten away with. So I, we've tapped on this a lot as well, but what's kind of the Israel factor here? Because, you know, I, I, you guys talked about the Mossad spies, which may or may not be related. And obviously we know that there's a lot of big money that flows in and out of Israel and then, you know, the arms running and stuff like that. But, um, where does that kind of fit on this whole, uh, string here? Well, you got the mega group, which is this group of billionaires who are Israel first Zionists and Les Wexner is part of the mega group. And he financed all of Jeffrey Epstein's properties or all of them or most of them. I would say most of them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he, he, <laughs> he, he turned over the power of his estate and money to Epstein. That's billions of dollars. Yeah. Um, and then the people that they would uh, blackmail, they'd be politicians and then they'd be uh, science and tech and, you know, all these basically everything that runs society. And when you have them under your thumb, you can basically push society in whatever direction you want to. So if you can push things in an Israel first direction, which if you look at the media, you look at our foreign policy, uh, pretty much everything, you know, everything is Israel first. Like if you are, um, if you are against the Israeli occupation of Palestine, or if you don't think, you know, we should be pushing Iran around to make Israel happy or whatever, you're pretty much in instantly, uh, you know, blacklisted. And even if you're not, um, you know, even if you're not overtly anti-Israel, like Thomas Massey, you know, he's the only Republican to vote against funding the Iron Dome. <laughs> Look at how he was treated by everybody across the board for doing that. He was anti-Semite of the week. So, you know, there's this very obvious push in all these different directions to demonize anyone who's against Israel. And a lot of it has to do with everybody who's been blackmailed and, you know, that pushes their narrative in a certain direction. Yeah, it seems to be like a real useful, um, I don't know how I want to coin this, but uh, a real useful narrative for the elite and the establishment because it's almost like the racism thing, right? Because as soon as anybody criticizes Israel or anything about Israel, then, oh, automatically you're on, you're an anti-Semite or, you know, you're, you're, you hate Jews or stuff like that. But you, you hear that so much and it's even, it, it kind of makes you question, you know, someone like Rand Paul voted for the Iron Dome, a guy who's been consistently anti-war, but, you know, he's pretty high profile as being, I don't want to say necessarily anti-establishment, but been pretty good about sticking up to it. But then he doesn't even dare touch the sacred cow of Israel. And um, you guys mentioned earlier on in the show that uh, Donald Trump was kind of Saudi Arabia's and Israel's bitch. Um, Obama in 2000, what was it, uh, 14 or 15, when he announced the uh, war in Yemen, it was to placate the Saudis, which, you know, are probably part of this wealthy elite that we're referring to. 
Yeah, well, I mean, if you look at the Saudis and the Israelis, their goals are not that much different. They both hate most of the same entities in the Middle East. They hate Iran. They hated Saddam Hussein. Um, they hate Palestine. You know, like there's not really um, there's not really this Muslim Jewish split that they want us to think there is that they're just fighting over this holy land and you know who's you know whose god determines they should own it or whatever like there's a lot of state sanctioned violence and um you know uh the what i always find interesting is if you ask a lot of like fundamentalist evangelical christians in the united states what the biggest danger to christianity is they won't say like satanism or atheism or anything like that it'll be radical islam you know radical islam is the most dangerous ideology out there they don't realize that they are propping up radical islam by supporting zionism because pretty much every single radical uh evangelical is extremely pro-zionist yeah they don't realize that you know al-qaeda exists because of zionism you know that a lot of the hijackers um or some of the hijackers joined al-qaeda because of the israeli um occupation of jordan and palestine that was backed by the united states um and then you know our continued support of saudi arabia and bombing iraq from saudi arabia for a decade uh, is a lot of what you know created the blowback that gave us 9-11 so all these horrible islamic extremist acts that have been done have been mostly spurred on by christians supporting jews <laughs> you know like a, yeah. a, a Christ, christian you know to be more specific like evangelical christianity supporting jewish zionism gives you islamic extremism so it's just kind of an interesting three ring you know three three-sided triangle that you have with christianity judaism and islam right now i've always found that kind of interesting well yeah and to your point all you have to do is read the declaration of war they never said they hate us for our freedoms they literally laid out the case for why they wanted to go to war with the united states and they pretty much laid out a case for why they would leave or how they would leave us alone as well um basically you know the support for israel against palestine and then the continued war and trampling all over and around and bombing their countries over there it's it's not some grand conspiracy it's not jet fuel doesn't melt steel beams it's the fact that we've been over there dicking around playing in the sand we got sand in our own home and killing their families and their children and then supporting israel and Therefore, you know, when you, once again, drop bombs on families and babies and trees and goldfish, eventually those people grow to hate you. Yeah, they have, they have every reason to hate you and it's perpetual. And um, the aftermath of 9-11, even Netanyahu said that we are benefiting big time from the attacks on the Pentagon and the World Trade Center, because essentially the United States military served as a battering ram for the goals of Israel without Israel having to shed any of its own blood or spend any of its own money. It's money money anyways, which is our money, which is U.S. tax dollars to the tune of, you know, three to five billion dollars a year. And what you see happening after 9-11 is essentially the balkanization of the Middle East and just chaos and disruption and overthrow, uh, you know, regime change. 
complete dysfunction of states like Syria, of states like Iraq, uh, Pakistan to some extent, um, where Libya. Yeah. absolutely Libya, uh, you know, where Gaddafi ended up with a rod, rod steel, steel beam up his ass, you know. Um, but that all benefited Israel, that chaos and that disruption furthered their goals and further solidified their power as, uh, you know, one of the leading entities in the Middle East. And um, that's just the reality of it. That's, the, you know, it's Ryan, Ryan talks a lot about that and the meme that was for oil and all this bullshit. But if you really boil it down and you look at who the cheerleaders were and who actually manufactured and sold the Iraq war to us, look where their, look where their loyalties lay and what they were all about and, and what they were really promoting. Yeah. And then the other interesting angle here is, um, <clears throat> you know, the Saudis did finance the hijackers of Flight 77 in 9-11. And like we said, uh, both Israel and uh, Saudi Arabia have benefited uh, tremendously from our foreign policy following 9-11. Uh, but then, you know, there's also a very, very high possibility that Israel at least knew 9-11 was going to happen and might have had some agents in the Hamburg cell, uh, specifically Ziad Jara. He might have been an Israeli mole. He had close relatives in the Mossad. And, um, you know, <laughs> we, we look at these two countries as our greatest allies over there. We give billions of weapons to Saudi Arabia every year. Uh, have we actually, has Biden signed that latest bill yet? I don't even know. Uh, I'm not but, sure, but I mean, I would bet the farm that he is, man. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, we do for, that. Of course, we're going to get bone saw the deal. He needs that money to kill the Yemenis and starve them and do his yeah. thing over there. And he's, he's a great guy. Yeah. And I mean, it's disgusting. Like what we're doing to the Houthi, what the, what the Saudis are doing to the Houthis and what the Israelis do to the Palestinians is just horrible. And, um, you know, if you, if we could just get a lot of these people who just, you know, think we need to support Israel all the time. And there, there aren't too many people who think, you know, supporting Saudi Arabia is great. They just think we have to do it for gas prices or whatever. But if we can actually convince people like, Hey, these countries do not have our best interests at heart. And they, one of them did help attack us. And the other one probably at least knew we were going to uh, get attacked and certainly likely could have helped in the attack too. You know, maybe that would change people's minds. Uh, but what I was talking earlier about, like, you know, uh, radical evangelical Christians supporting Zionist Judaism, which, in, uh, you know, perpetuates Islamic extremism. The other thing about that whole thing is, you know, when we're talking about how you sensationalize something and you can throw the scent off and you can get people to be disinterested in it. Unfortunately, there are a lot of like Holocaust deniers and actual like anti-Semites who do jump on board the anti-Israel train and they muddy the waters, you know, like they're, uh, Ryan's talked about this, like there was a van going around with a Palestinian flag on it that said like Hitler was right or whatever. That type of shit does more damage to, to the movement than anything the establishment could throw at us. So people who conflate, you know, Zionism with Judaism and then like the Israeli government with Jewish people all around the world and trying to conflate it with biology and everything. That is exactly what the establishment 
wants us to do. They want us to create, uh, you know, a muddying of the waters there and, you know, make it so you can't distinguish between racist retards and then people who don't like a, an apartheid state that basically runs our foreign policy. Well said. <laughs> Goddamn. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so anything? Oh, yeah. Well, uh, anything else to add there? We've been going for probably about an hour, hour and a half now. Yeah, it's amazing, man. Once you get going on this stuff, uh, how, how fast time can go. Um, yeah, I would just, you know, I would point people to Ryan Dawson's research on Epstein, on Israel and foreign policy in Iraq and 9-11. There's so much there, man. It, it, and I've been going at this shit for 20 years myself, so I have a pretty good foundational knowledge of it. Um, but, you know, it, it gets to you after a while. This stuff does get to you and it can bum you out and you feel like, Jesus, I'm banging my head against the wall. What am I going to do about this? So at this point, I just tell people, man, you can influence the people who are in your sphere of influence, who are in your life, in your network, and you can drop a, a rock in the water, man, and that can have a ripple effect. And if you even wake up a handful of people and then they like turn the ball game off and they're like, you know what, I think I'm going to look into what Eric was saying about the mega group. I'm going to go just Google it and see what I can find. Maybe he's not insane. Maybe that is actually a real thing. So that's, those are like the white pills we got to celebrate when you can make people more aware of this and they can unplug themselves from their conditioning and their brainwashing that we've all been susceptible and victim to since the day that we were all born. Um, so it's important information and I hope your audience will check out uh, what we've been talking about, Kyle. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's important to know about and knowledge is power. Absolutely. Reed. Yeah. Well, I would say definitely check out the Jackman brothers. Um, they've been doing this a lot longer than I have. I, uh, the Epstein, the Israel stuff, I only, I've only been into the Israel stuff for a couple of years now. And then the Epstein stuff has been even more recent, but Eric has been a great like mentor in that area. And so is Ryan. Ryan is the man. Uh, he also just had his YouTube channels deleted um, and he got one of his T-shirt stores taken offline. So go check him out at ancreport.com. I'd encourage people to become a member there if you can. I'm one. Of, I forget what the levels are, but I'm on the top, like the high membership because I can afford it. And the research he does is totally worth it. Uh, another great guy to on foreign policy and the Israeli-Saudi connection with 9-11 and everything is Adam Fitzgerald. I'd highly recommend uh, go check him out. Uh, Eric just had him on the show yesterday, actually. Um, also, Abby Martin and Kim Iverson, they're both left-wingers, but they're really, really good on foreign policy, Saudi Arabia and Israel. Um, I would just highly recommend checking out all those names. Um uh, they do really good um, independent research, and I've actually had all those people on my show, too. So you can go check out my show and see all those interviews. Um, really, really good stuff. Awesome. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm glad you, uh, you had something else. I was just going to plug the Four Horsemen. Reed and I have a show we yeah. do once a month with Ryan called The Four Horsemen. We bring a guest on and we bullshit for it hour and a half two hours and it's usually you know pretty big name person who's who's you have to be based you don't get on the show unless you're based that's kind of our that's that's our that's the uh, criteria but uh yeah reed's channel hosts it uh, the naturalist capitalist and i have my own youtube channel i would love everyone to subscribe to jackman radio and you know i'm on twitter jackman radio instagram senator jackman and um if people are interested in supporting my work um i have a patreon it's patreon.com slash jackman radio and i just tell people 
you know, a cup of coffee a month, five bucks a month. And that, that helps me get guests on the show and book people and do in-person interviews and stuff. So um, it's really important to support independent media and keep voices like all of ours going. Yeah. The, uh, the only other thing I want to add, just because you talk a lot about economics on here, Kyle, um, our connection with Saudi Arabia is tethered to the petrodollar. And that's what gives us our world reserve currency status. So our, the reason that we're leashed to Saudi Arabia at least makes some financial sense because if we cut ties with Saudi Arabia, we'd lose our uh, world reserve currency status and then we wouldn't be able to run huge trade deficits right. and we wouldn't be able to inflate the currency away like we do. But our relationship with Israel is because of blackmail mostly. Like there's no financial incentive to support Israel. We give them free money uh, more than any other country every year uh, and it doesn't benefit us at all. Um, so just, uh, I know you talk a lot about economics on here and you, you're a big fan of Peter Schiff. Peter Schiff talks about the petrodollar and how it, uh, you know, is what keeps our currency afloat and everything. So everyone, I, I'd highly suggest you look into that, look into the economic connection with Saudi Arabia, and then realize that there isn't one with Israel. That's just kind of an interesting point. Cool. All right. Uh, read good, plug your stuff. Eric did a beautiful plug. I'm sure you will as well. And uh, we'll get on out of here. Yeah, just follow me at the uh, the Naturalist Capitalist on YouTube, Odyssey, and all the RSS feeds. So, uh, uh, Spotify, Apple, I you know um, what is it? Yeah, Apple iPod, whatever you know, like all, all the all the audio places. Uh, you'll find me as the Naturalist Capitalist, and then I am back on Twitter against all odds. I am Reed underscore Coverdale. Uh, so you can For find now. me there. And then I am on Facebook and Instagram and locals. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you guys were able to make the time to come on. Um, this was pretty last minute because I had to reschedule the uh, Tho Bishop Shane Hazel debate, but um, that's going to be taking place Monday night. That'll air Tuesday. This will air uh, Friday, 1217. Um, once again, I just want to thank you guys for coming on, especially on such short notice. And uh, maybe uh, I could have the, uh, three of the four horsemen on here and we could do a uh, episode perhaps maybe do another deep dive if there's any new developments or just shoot the shit about whatever so um like i said thank you guys and um till next time everybody take care support for this podcast and the following message come from corient corient provides wealth management services centered around you they focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.